All right, welcome to the Take One Security Podcast. This is episode 28. And uh, it's been a week and a half, or just about two weeks, I think, since we did the last episode. So we have tons of news to get through. I'm going to try to go through pretty quickly. Let's get started. So first thing to know about is there was a major Cisco ASA buffer overflow. Need to patch immediately if you haven't already heard about this a million times. Uh, ASAs are Cisco's firewall and uh, pretty bad buffer overflow included uh, code execution, I believe. So if you have any ASAs, definitely need to get patched. Critical patches for Windows and Flash. Um, this came out a few days ago. Um, pretty standard, really. Seems like something to check every morning at 9 a.m. Uh, FBI is officially investigating Hillary Clinton regarding her private email server. So uh, things are pretty serious with this, uh, seems like. I'm not sure if it's going to affect the election or not. Who knows, but uh, FBI is actually looking into it, I believe, as a criminal type of deal, which uh, seems right to me. NSA doing a complete reorg. Yes, the NSA is completely um, combining their defense and offensive capabilities into one team. Uh, Bruce Schneier came out and, and basically said that they should do the opposite and completely separate them. Uh, he wrote a blog about that. You should go check it out. But um, they're basically combining defense and offense. Um, I don't know if they're doing kind of a purple team type of thing where they need them to cooperate with each other a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly the reason, but uh, pretty interesting. Um, let's see here. During the uh, lead up to the... Uh, Super Bowl, San Francisco was like the home city, right? So uh, it, the uh, thing actually didn't happen in San Francisco. It was actually way down south, like 50 miles in Santa Clara. But in San Francisco, there are these little DHS, uh, probably like three foot by three foot silver boxes with antennas on them, like chained to lights and stuff. And it basically said, DHS, do not touch. Um, and they were all over the place. Um, so a lot of people were wondering what they were. Were they like SIGINT boxes or, you know, voice collectors or what were they? But um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, the White House is hiring a CSO or a CISO. Um, if you're interested, go apply. Wish I were kidding, but I'm not. Um Samsung says not to speak privately near its televisions. This is fairly terrifying. Um, they're like, yeah, there's not really been a data leak or anything. We're just saying you shouldn't say anything sensitive near the TV. And I'm like, well, I guess that's not a problem since no one puts them in their living room. So they're not really likely to catch private conversation um, because they're not usually in a central part of the house. Um, but since the exact opposite of that is true, could be a problem. 
All right, hacker publishes personal information of 20,000 FBI agents. That's um, ballsy, if nothing else. Story comes from motherboard.vice.com, which I believe is part of the Vice Network, which I can't wait till they get a TV channel and actually have a network, especially since Al Jazeera is leaving. Um, they had to fold up shop. But uh, Vice is a really good... Uh, I'm not sure about this whole motherboard Vice thing. I, I don't follow it digitally, but they have a uh, really phenomenal documentary series, which you should definitely check out. But anyway, they just had a story about the uh, the leakage of information. 20,000 FBI agents were the target. It's crazy. Um, some really nasty WordPress hacks going around. And again, this stuff is like, I want to say like a week old right now, if you're, if you're hearing it. It's not very old. So, I mean, if you're not completely up on news, uh, it's very new. But um, if you're completely caught up as of last week, a couple of these things you might have heard of. So, yeah, so really bad uh, WordPress malware going around. Scary part is no one knows what it is, but it's PHP. So, you know, get used to it. Dutch police training eagles to disarm. Able drones in the air. So that's pretty cool. So um, they're training eagles to just fly up and grab drones out of the air. Um, but a bunch of, uh, I was going to say human rights activists, but a bunch of animal rights activists are, are freaking out because um, they could have, you know, pretty serious rotors. Um, they could start to deploy countermeasures and uh, these eagles could get harmed while trying to do this. So um, there's been some controversy there. Um, a drone hijacked by a non-sec hackers um, after a massive breach at NASA. So evidently they were able to take over a, a drone by penetrating into NASA and uh, sort of learning about it and getting control of it. Really interesting story there. Windows Phone is basically shutting down um, this is this was fairly surprising to me. Um, you had the whole Windows stores open up, uh, trying to copy the Apple stores. I, I thought they were doing pretty well, and I thought the OS was really nice. Um, kind of disappointing to see them drop out. It's nice when there are three options out there, and now we're back down to two. So uh, that kind of sucks, but hopefully they'll come back stronger. Uh, Fitbit data reveals pregnancy. Evidently, some guy grabbed the data off, I, I don't know if it was his wife or a, a girlfriend or a friend, um, off her Fitbit, posted it online, and uh, someone went through it and was like, oh, yeah, she's pregnant. Now, the title implies that that pregnancy had some sort of relevancy to their relationship. Maybe they were together. I didn't look at the details, but... Um, the implications of wearable data revealing private uh, information is something that we're going to have to get super used to. Um, and this is one of the first examples we've heard about in the media. Uh, smart toys presenting risk. So basically there's this little teddy bear um, that's... Uh, Listening to your kid, I think taking pictures, uh, 
basically capturing the life of a little kid. Um, and then, you know, sending it up to uh, the mothership on the internet. And uh, whether it's a toaster or a refrigerator or a whatever, a toy or a teddy bear or whatever, uh, one thing I recommend for people is one to have IoT stuff on a completely separate network, which is what I do. And I got tons of IoT stuff, but it's on the other side of the firewall. Um, the other thing is you almost want to have like an inventory uh, in your house of how many cameras are there, where they're facing, um, who has access to them, and um, also microphones. Where are the microphones in the house? And that can include all sorts of things. Uh, you know, Alexa is, <laughs> she just turned on when I said that. Um, my Amazon Echo is listening to me right now. And uh, who knows the algorithm for how much is being sent up. Um, I, I assume it's local until you submit, but who knows? Just like Samsung said, uh, don't say anything sensitive around me because it might end up getting leaked. That is the reality we need to be thinking about. So as a responsible sort of head of household, you need to be thinking, where are the microphones? Where are the cameras? Where are any ways that content from inside of the house can be captured and sent out to the cloud somewhere? Um, and that's not going to be an easy task, especially if you have kids and they're bringing in random crazy stuff all the time. But uh, it, it should be considered part of your home security to know, um, you know, what's there and what it's listening to and what it's doing with what it gets uh, once it has it. So something to think about. New Air Force satellites launched to improve GPS accuracy from one meter to 42 centimeters. That's pretty cool. Um, wasn't really clear how much of that is coming to the civilian side or is just going to be useful for the military. But um, I have a feeling it's civilian because I think military's had this for some time. Um, Ponemon uh, put out another report, uh, cybercrime not paying as much as previously thought. So evidently, uh, and this seems pretty intuitive to me, most cyber criminals don't really make that much. And in fact, if you have a good cybersecurity job or information security job, why did I just say cybersecurity? Goodness. Um, I guess it's not a bad word. I should get used to it, but it just still seems kind of lame to me. But um, if you have a good InfoSec job, you um, are probably making more than the average InfoSec criminal. Now, the average or the top end InfoSec criminal or cyber criminal or cyber crime specialist or whatever this person is, bad guy, attacker, hacker, or whatever, uh, is probably making way more money because they run botnets, they're, you know, top of the pyramid or whatever. But the point of the article was that most people are, you know, not doing so well, scraping by. Um, that's what I got from it anyway. And that, uh, you know, depending on your access to a good career in InfoSec, it might 
pay a lot more than doing the wrong thing. Um, but but that's an important piece, right? If you are in some uh, distant part of the world with not much access to infosec jobs, then uh, a lot of people are making the choice to go the other way. Google is the most valuable public company in the world, and this is about a week old. I think we all heard about this. Sonatype gets $30 million from Goldman Sachs. That's cool. Um, got a buddy uh, over there at Sonatype. Um, cool guys. Uh, Facebook beats its numbers significantly. So this is a cool story. Basically, Facebook is kind of kicking ass right now. Uh, growing very steadily, very healthily. And um, Twitter is kind of hurting. And it's really weird because I like Twitter so much more than Facebook, but I get it after reading a number of these articles. Facebook is just easy. Uh, when you look at the interface, you know exactly what you're supposed to do with it. It looks like chat. It's intuitive. Um, Twitter, I mean, you can have someone who's a, whatever, 15-year veteran in IT and is just really smart and makes 150 grand a year. And they're like, I have no idea what Twitter is for. What do I do with it? What is the at thing? What direct messages? What's the difference between at and, you know, DM? And, you know, why would I do this? I can just use Facebook. Like, it, it, it's hard for a lot of people to understand. They, they think it's... Um, you have to talk about every sandwich that you eat. They don't understand why someone would add it to their portfolio of digital services that they use. It's just kind of opaque to a lot of people, whereas Facebook is just super obvious. So Twitter has a big problem. Um, I, I heard that there are basically two camps. One is add more features, and two is get rid of the features and bring it back to what made it popular. But um, I really do hope they turn things around and get more intuitive. I actually wrote a post, I think, a couple months back saying what they should do. Um, it wasn't that good of a post, actually, but it was all right. A couple of good points. But, um, yeah, I hope Twitter pulls it around. Uh, Google to shame sites that don't have HTTPS. So they're basically going to have a padlock in Chrome with a red X on it, almost like having a cert that's bad. Um, but if you just go to a regular site that doesn't even have a cert and it's HTTP, they're going to have that same red uh, mark. I don't know when they're going to put this on, but it's pretty hardcore. Um, pretty aggressive way to tell people to upgrade um, or to tell, tell the users of those people. Um, I already moved over like last year or a year or two ago, but, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to, uh, seeing more people do it, but this is a very aggressive way to go about it. Yahoo probably getting sold. This has been a long time coming. Um, I think they deserve it because they killed off Yahoo pipes. I'm still mad about that, but, um, uh, I would. That was that was um, 
uncalled for. I mean, I, I don't want to see a bunch of people lose their jobs. And Yahoo did do something good for the internet, I guess. But I don't know. At some point, I still feel like an 18-year-old user of technology who was like, you killed my product, so um, now you will pay. I honestly just don't know what they do better than anyone else right now. They're a news site. Other people do that better. They're an email site. Gmail does that better. They killed off Yahoo Pipes, which was cool technology. Very few people were probably using it. It was probably smart to shut it down, so I'm not actually mad about that. But um, I, I just don't know what they do. What would you say that you do here? It's pretty much that situation. Apple hires Thunderstrike team. Mac firmware hackers, basically. They uh, found a bunch of flaws a long time ago, and uh, they basically got hired over on the uh, product security team, according to the articles. So that's cool. Um, Apple growth set to flatten in 2016 due to global economic situation. Um, I think a lot of that is mostly China. Um, China's got a downturn and that's where the new market is. Um, I don't think they'll be in bad shape. It's just going to slow down, flatten, maybe even go down. But um, I've been hearing that 2016, there's going to be a lot of that. So we'll see what happens. Elon Musk cancels a guy te uh, guy's Tesla order for talking shit about him online. <laughs> so basically this guy was like, meh, meh. I forget what he was complaining about. Um, oh, I almost remember. Anyway, he, he didn't like something that Elon uh, Musk did. So he I don't know where he got on and complained about it. Twitter maybe um, complains about it. And uh, <laughs> Musk must have just called up like the, the, uh, the car people and just been like, hey. Uh, look for an order with this guy's name on it and uh, and cancel it. And don't let him buy anything else. I think he went that far. Um, yeah, when you have a billionaire who's spunky, like maybe you shouldn't mess with him. Especially if you're trying to buy something from him, like maybe disconnect the brakes or something. Um, Venezuela on the brink of economic collapse. This is not cool. Um, evidently there are tons of factors, basically the private sector is breaking down the government sector, breaking down, uh, lots of corruption, no trust in the government. Um, got a bunch of friends down there. I hope, uh, hope I do okay. All right. Next section, ideas, updates, and discussion. Wrote a post, uh, on the study site, so uh, danielmeeser.com slash study, uh, red, blue, and purple teams and what they're for. So red teams attack, blue teams defend, and purple teams basically make sure that all the knowledge from the red side and the blue side is being communicated across those teams and that the organization as a whole is benefiting from both teams uh, in a maximum sort of way. Um, and the post 
goes uh, into a lot more detail about it. But uh, there wasn't much out there on it, so um, could become uh, one of the primary resources for learning about the th difference between the three teams in a few months when Google picks it up. Uh, CISA summary, or CISA, the CISA bill. Um, I was going to do a, uh, a post on this. I probably still should, but I think other people have already done it, so probably won't need to. But basically, there's the CISA bill. It's really important for information security people, but a lot of people don't know about it. Um, so I want to just give a couple of things, uh, quotes from TechCrunch or whatever. So basically, it's more ability for the government to watch traffic with less oversight. Um, and then the quote from TechCrunch is, organizations like the NSA and CIA now have even more government protections, allowing them to play fast and loose with personal privacy. And our private information already clearly at risk given the large quantity of data breaches of late, is now even morely freely, more freely available. So nothing about that sounds good, but that's the gist of it, is um, government has more access to your data. That's pretty much what CISA is. Um, and, and more uh, opacity as well. Fairly sure that's a word. Uh, basically, less uh, transparency in terms of what the government lets you know about what they're asking or what data they are gathering. So that's a bad combo. Um, next one here. I think the sleeper tech for 2016 and 2017 will be virtual reality and augmented reality. Yeah, so that that's me writing a dumb sentence as a prompt. So... Um, We've already had, I guess, like the, the big data and all of that. Uh, that. That's kind of been a big thing for, I don't know, what, three years, five years, something like that. I want to say two, two or three years, probably. But um, what people are starting to talk about, talking about, but hasn't really dropped fully yet, is uh, virtual reality um, and augmented reality. So basically, these headsets are getting ready to drop from so many different vendors. Facebook is making one. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's the Oculus one because I think they bought Oculus. But So that's the Facebook one. But like tons of other uh, manufacturers are coming out with them as well. And it's basically going to turn into the future of gaming, probably for one. Um, porn, probably for two. Or maybe that's one. And gaming is two. But it's probably going to permeate just overall uh, tech um, after that very quickly, you know, 2016, 2017, um, which I find really interesting. And then the natural transition is to go from dedicated, large, bulky VR rigs to everyday rigs, which is what uh, Google Glass tried to do, and that didn't work out, but it was valiant of them to give it a shot. Um, it's kind of their MO and it's respectable. Um, but once we see this VR stuff take off, you know, in porn and in, uh, and in gaming, you know, the hardware will get better 
um, the hardware will get smaller and it'll go to the everyday. Um, and that's when it switches to augmented reality instead of virtual reality, where you're actually just looking at things and overlaid on top of them is the data you want to see about them, right? And Glass did that, I believe, to some degree. I never bought one, but um, that's my understanding. So I think these are the texts that we're going to hear a lot about uh, second part of this year and uh, definitely in the 2017, definitely something to watch. Uh, insurers getting smart about assessing cybersecurity risk. So this is pretty cool. Um, cybersecurity insurance, information security insurance, hacking insurance, uh, data security insurance, whatever. Um, if you Google for InfoSec insurance, I believe I'm the top hit because I wrote a really long piece about it. Um, actually, it wasn't really long. It was like two pages or three pages, basically saying that we're all in InfoSec going to be working for auditing companies who in turn basically work for the insurance companies. So basically, we're going to be moving from the dark ages into the, the age of data and actuarial data. And that data will be used to determine how secure something is in terms of what products and processes and people are used to secure it. And then those benchmarks and those numbers will be used to determine what premiums people pay for their insurance. And everyone will need to have insurance. And then part of your advertising for your company will be, we got triple A rating, uh, low rates on our insurance because our security is so high. And that will be a good claim or will be a strong claim of you having good security because people will know that the insurance companies really, really care about the security of who they're uh, giving insurance to because it's a money issue. So this will become the new standard for measuring the efficiency and uh, efficacy of a program. And it will also become the new place where most people in information security work. Or at least a great, great number of them will work. Um, because insurance and data, or having enough data in InfoSec to be able to measure it, naturally brings it to the maturity level of being ready for an insurance agency or an insurance uh, overseer or controller. And uh, some people are freaked out about it. Like I talked about it in the article. Again, just Google for InfoSec insurance or information security insurance. Um, it will freak out a lot of people to sort of make this transition. I'm both freaked out and happy about it because I do want to see information security become a lot more professional and reliable and number-based. But at the same time, I'm going to miss, um, I'm going to miss the mystery. I'm going to miss the hoodies. I'm going to miss uh, all the InfoSec culture, DEF CON culture, all, all the stuff that's, you know, to some degree considered kind of lame to people who've been in the industry for 15 or 20 years. But that's how these things work, right? We, um, 
we grow up and we think the things from before are pretty lame, but we also think they're pretty cool. And uh, it'll be sad to see them go. Um, I think the last thing I said in the piece was the thing about getting away from the dark ages is you do get better, but you also lose the magic. And, and I think that's what's going to happen when we transition to InfoSec. Um, being run and largely controlled by insurance. All right, next piece, uh, tools, talks, and projects. So there's a really cool project called Canary Tools, which I heard on someone else's podcast. I can't remember which. I've been listening to a bunch of other podcasts, by the way. Um, and one of these next episodes, I'm going to have a, a list of recommendations, which is kind of counterproductive because... I'm going to tell you how awesome basically like two of them are. And then you'll probably go listen to that instead of this, but whatever. It's my job, I guess. Um, no, they're actually pretty similar to, to what I do. Um, theirs is more uh, clean and organized, uh, less rambling, less us. Um, they got more musical uh, sort of pieces in the middle. Um, basically produced way better, which is why I call mine Take One because it's some dumbass rambling. But um, it has the same sort of quality of content and a good, really good analysis. I think it's Risky Business is, is one of them. A um, bunch of Australians. They're just phenomenal. It's, it's a great podcast. It's probably my favorite one. Um, and I'm not going to listen to many because I, I just wanted to sample them all. Um, but I think Risky Business, I will listen to. They have a good news segment, kind of like I do. And then they have, um, but th they do way fewer stories, but in much better depth, uh, which I would rather go the other way and give coverage and then deep dive on only a few. Um, they also do an interview. So they get someone on, they do an interview, which I would never want to do because it's just, it's hard to coordinate those sorts of things. Um, Anyway, I'm going to have a list of cool uh, podcasts. But um, one of them was talking about Canary Tools, and that's actually who they brought on was the creator of the system. And it's really sick. So so basically, they have hardware that you can just deploy. The, they said they were like 5K, so this is like for an enterprise. You deploy this hardware, and it has everything you need for a fully functioning honeypot with honey tokens already in it that if they get moved around the network or whatever, automatically triggers a, an alert. And there's actually a uh, free version of it, which is uh, website-based. So basically, you, um, you create these tokens, uh, which are turned into links. And if anyone clicks on this link, they catch it on the cloud side, you give them an email address and it alerts you that someone clicked on that link. So that basically made to be an alert for you that's cloud-based. Um, but they also have the hardware you can deploy in your own network. So uh, pretty cool, pretty cool uh, set of tools. I, I love the Honey Token concept. Um, all right, next one. Um, see what do we got here um oh services check your okay this is my stuff so services check your stack services atm so at um appsec cali 
um, a few weeks ago, I presented and released um, a couple of services. One on my website is slash services slash check your stack. You just put in a domain and it tells you basically what technologies that site is running. And I, I wrote the algorithm myself. It's a Node.js backend. Um, it's pretty fast, works in a couple seconds, actually like four seconds or five seconds, which super pissed me off right now and I'm speeding it up. So it should, should work in a couple seconds uh, before too long. But the point is, is you never, you can call it as many times as you want. There's actually a full API um, and uh, you never have to worry about being throttled or anything like that. Although I did get a nasty gram from Linode, but um, I got that sorted out. And uh, they put it in my notes that it's not malicious. But um, anyway, you can go there permanently um, and use that to find out the technology stack of any website. Um, and it's benign. It's just making a couple HTTP requests um, to the site, you know, far less than a browser does. Um, the next one is ATM, which is um, adaptive testing methodology. And this one... Um, will do the same thing. It actually leverages that same script. It will go and look at the site and then it will give you a custom testing methodology based on what technologies the site is running. And also there's a, a, a radio buttons for how long you have to perform the test. So you can have 30 minutes, you know, uh, an hour, four hours, like two days, whatever, and um, or unlimited. And based on how much time you have, combined with what technology is on the site, I give you a custom web testing methodology. And that's what I released at AppSec, and it is live. It is slash services slash ATM. And um, next one is, uh, oh, DVWS, Damn Vulnerable Web Services. So you've heard of Damn Vulnerable Websites or Damn Vulnerable uh, Web. I forget the name, second part of the project. But basically, it's a bunch of uh, websites that are broken. And it's been out for years and years, and it's a really good project. Um, DWVA, I want to say. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This one is DW, DVWS. DVWS, and it's web services. And uh, it's, a, it's a GitHub project. Go download it. Pretty cool. Uh, this is something people have needed for a while to learn web services. So glad to have it on the list. Announcements. I have nothing there. Skipping over to miscellaneous. So this is a section where I talk about just random cool things from tech or... Um, you know, it's going to be tech or future or culture, um, but somehow oriented around tech or security. So the first one is um, powered by WordPress, proudly or not. So this is cool. Um, I sent out a tweet uh, like a week ago basically saying, oh, someone talked me out of like moving to one of these um, static site generators. And I was so getting excited about it because I was in one of my crazy optimization phases, um, which 
when it hits me, I go into like four hour freak out period, start cutting off functionality from my site because it's making too many HTTP requests. Then I have to be like, dude, what are you doing? Like it already loads in like less than a second and a half. It already seems very fast. Why are you removing functionality? But anyway, I was in one of those modes. I was like, it's dumb to have a database. It's dumb to have PHP. I want to serve static files. I'm going to migrate my whole site. Moving to Jekyll. So I tweeted that out. And my buddy um, at Apple pinged me back with this article um, called whatever I said it was called. Oh, yeah. Powered by WordPress, proudly or not. And it was basically someone who went from WordPress, did that exact same thing, and was not able to write very uh, easily. They stopped writing, basically. They didn't want to do it because there was so much manual work around it. And basically said they switched back to WordPress because it's so simple and so little friction to just do exactly what you want to do, right? You just go up there, you start uh, writing, and you get it done. And that's if you care about writing more than you care about the technology that that writing is sitting on, then you might want to use WordPress. And that immediately reminded me, I had already known that lesson, of course, and forgotten it four different times, but it reminded me of the lesson and uh, I wanted to share it with you guys. So that's that. Next one, IoT security taught to kids via iSpy book. So evidently there's an iSpy book that talks about IoT security. How about that? That's all I got. It's got a link in the show notes. Um, oh, I got a couple Amazon Echoes. Um, just really cool. Oh man, I'm gonna do a demo. Alexa, what's the weather tomorrow? Here's the forecast for tomorrow in San Francisco. Look for mostly sunny weather with a high of 71 and a low of 51. Cool. Yeah, very happy with these things. I got two of them. They're on the IoT network, also known as the Dirty Untrusted Nasty Network. And, uh, I like them better than Siri, actually. They are really, really responsive. You talk to it inside of the room. You don't have to dig your phone out of your pocket. You don't have to do the Hey Siri thing. Although you are kind of technically doing the Hey Siri thing. Um, but the phone, it, it's um, you don't always have the phone close to you in your face where it can hear you properly. Whereas... Um, this thing, which I won't say its name to activate it, um, is designed to be activated at a distance inside the room in sort of an ambient way so you can casually request things. Um, I've got Ecobee integration and Hue integration, um, both of which are on my dirty, nasty, untrusted network. But you could just say, hey, turn, uh, turn on the lights, turn the thermostat to this, does it everywhere in the house. You can create groups, do it in the bedroom, um, which I live in San Francisco. So the bedroom, the kitchen, and the living room are all the same, basically. But um, yeah, really, really love these things. Um, you could also just say, um, you know, play Anya, and you go to sleep listening to Anya. It's a good speaker. Um, you say, wake me up in the morning at 7.30 a.m. It's uh, 
it does exactly what you would think it would do. Um, I wish it were not a separate ecosystem from Apple. I'm part of the Apple ecosystem already, but I'm also a crazy Amazon user. So for now, I'm living in two worlds. And uh, if you're thinking about get one, getting one, um, I definitely recommend it. Best defense against bullying is immunizing the bystanders. Henner Gracie. Um, so this is cool. It wasn't actually Henner Gracie who said that, but Henner Gracie is my favorite jujitsu person. Uh, he's a, uh, a teacher down in Torrance, California. He does a bunch of YouTube stuff. And one of his side projects is helping people immunize against bullying. So one, one thing he teaches people is how to whoop ass with jujitsu, and that definitely helps. But even more than that, <clears throat> he teaches people how to respond when the bullying starts. And a, a big part of it is he teaches people how not to let other people get bullied. And the study that came out, which um, I just read the article, I think, today, basically said that there's um, some kind of, I think it was called Kiva, K-I-V-A, uh, system put in place where you educate the entire school and all the school kids on how to intervene if someone else is getting bullied. And it's actually way more effective than if you try to teach people how to respond if they're getting bullied. Because I, I guess it's just math, really, because usually when you have a bullying situation, you have multiple bystanders. And all you have to do is empower them to say, hey, man, that's not cool. Um, and you can make a difference. So thought that was pretty cool. And uh, that is it for the week, I believe. That is the end of uh, the mis miscellaneous section. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on episode 29. Talk to you later.